Hello, and welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I take a deep dive into the stories of the most interesting abandoned amusements and theme parks in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. This week, we're returning to the Adirondacks for our intermittent miniseries on the theme parks in the area. I'm talking about the Gillette family and the Magic Forest in Lake George, New York. The park is on the verge of big changes, a polarizing collection of vintage rides and fiberglass figures once stood here. Arthur Gillette was a man with a mechanical mind. As a child, Gillette visited the Savin Rock Amusement Park. In his early adulthood, he did handyman jobs, operated small roadside stands, and fixed equipment and machinery. All the while, he dreamed of opening up an amusement park like the one of his childhood. In 1946, Gillette assembled a crude carousel, completely out of spare parts. It allowed for three riders, and he set it up to operate at North Street and Maplewood Avenue in Pittsfield, just down from Pontusic Lake. His makeshift ride proved to be incredibly popular. So that winter, he rebuilt a vintage wooden carousel with his brother. They decided to take a chance at the amusement park business for real. In 1947, they operated the carousel at Pontusic Lake Beach. Within the next several years, he added a pony ride and a boat ride to the annual summer carnival setup. And as the carnival continued to prosper, Arthur and his brother opened the Gillette Brothers Shows, a traveling amusement company which is still in operation today. They traveled with their company throughout the East Coast in the late 40s and early 50s and continued to do well in their business. But Arthur was getting tired of the traveling he decided to set up the Lake George Amusement Park back in Lake George, New York. Now, this small park opened up in 1956, and there's not much known about it. We do know that the park was only open for one season. In 1957, the land prices rose too high, and Gillette had to sell his park. A hotel developer ultimately purchased the land. Not one to stay idle, Gillette quickly latched on to a new idea. This time, it was called Carson City, a Western theme park which he opened in 1958. And this was one of the largest replica Western villages at the time. But Arthur Gillette really liked Lake George, and he kept thinking about the pre-Christmas Santa's villages he'd set up in small towns around Massachusetts. The children had always loved seeing Santa, and they were always sad to see him go. So why not, he thought. Why not have Santa around for longer? Christmas City opened in 1963. Arthur Gillette had found an old car junkyard in Lake George, and it was the prime spot for an amusement park. He cleared away hundreds of cars to create his theme park. He even had to fill in a giant hole in order to create the flat lot where cars now park for the day. And in particular, Christmas City had its roots in a promotion that Gillette had done in Albany several years earlier. Santa was a huge draw during the Christmas season. Gillette knew he had something special. 
and he set up Santa's home so that children could visit during the rest of the year. Now, Christmas City was located on Route 9, and it drew crowds from both Albany and New York City. Its motto was, quote, Christmas City, a village of warmth and love, where on the warmest day you will find a cool breeze blowing pine needles to the ground, end quote. On opening day, the park had log cabins, a museum, a tilted house which challenged guests to walk on its uneven floors, a gift shop, and a chapel. This chapel was a real chapel, and it marked the first, but not the last, time that Gillette would rehome an item or an attraction. Now, this chapel had previously been located in Rensselaer, where the State Department was taking it down for highway construction. Some sources name the chapel as Chapel in the Pines, and others call it Sacred Heart. Either way, Gillette moved the chapel to the Magic Forest piece by piece, where it still stands today. Every item in the chapel is original, including the pews, the altar, the pulpit, and the stained glass windows. Christmas City, of course, wouldn't be complete without Santa, Santa's house, and Santa's reindeer. Animals wandered freely throughout the park in the early years. There were sheep, goats, llamas, and, of course, reindeer. Visitors could pet and feed the animals as well. And the park was themed and overlaid in a Christmas style. Gingerbread on the buildings, fanciful lights. Beyond the buildings, though, there was very little theming or landscaping. Gillette saw the natural forest environment with its many large trees as one of the most important things about his theme park. And even in the first few months that the park was open, Gillette knew that he was missing something. The visitors, they kept asking, where are the kids' rides? So in the middle of that first summer in 1963, that first year in operation, Gillette added a few rides, including a small merry-go-round and a charoplane ride. By 1965, Gillette had loosened the reins on the Christmas theme, and he officially changed the name to Magic Forest and Indian Village. As the name implies, he added an Indian village in the same year. This was a standard park feature at the time, and it was seen as okay back then, even if it wasn't. Obviously today, this is problematic at best. Yes, local Native people did staff this section of the park, and yes, They did genuinely inform visitors about some aspects of their native culture. But yes, it was still problematic. Interest in the village waned over time, and that part of the park was later closed, and the name lost. For a few decades, Gillette's Magic Forest truly was a place of constant change and delight. Arthur's son, Jack Gillette, joined the park management team, and he fully took over operation of the park in 1979. Both of the Gillettes quickly realized how popular kiddie rides were with the park visitors. And additionally, they realized that with their solid mechanical skills, they could acquire rides much more cheaply by purchasing them from defunct theme parks and just fixing them up. So over the years, the Magic Forest went from two rides to 25 rides. In 1964, the Gillettes purchased several rides from a shuttered amusement park in Burlington, Vermont. And I've actually been unable to determine which park this was. But these rides are said to include the Sky Fighter, the Whip, and a heavier-duty aluminum merry-go-round. The first Ferris wheel arrived in 1978. In 1979, Arthur sold his portion of the Carson City Park that was located further up in the Catskills, instead choosing to focus his energy on the Magic Forest. 
Carson City actually stayed in business through the mid-1990s. In 1987, Cater Ross Park in Saratoga, New York, closed in order to make way for luxury apartments. A few of the rides that came from Kateros to the Magic Forest include the Tilt-A-Whirl, the Paratrooper, Kitty Cars, and a replacement Ferris wheel, which is the one that still stands in the park today. A ride called Chaser came from an auction at the defunct Lincoln Park in North Dartmouth in 1988, after that park's 1987 closure. In 1990, the Scrambler and a mini merry-go-round arrived from Nayog Park in Scranton, Pennsylvania where the amusement park there had shuttered its rides in order to become a standard city park, not an amusement park. A giant spiral slide arrived from Angela Park in Pennsylvania, which had closed two years prior, arriving in Magic Forest in 1991. The Kitty Turtle Ride, a smaller version of the classic Tumblebug Ride, came from the Maple Leaf Village in Niagara Falls after that park closed in 1992. And to give you a sense of the Gillette's financial smarts, let's compare the cost of an average amusement park ride. It's said to be about $90,000 to $300,000 for an average amusement park ride. And how much did this kitty turtle ride coming from Maple Leaf Village cost? It cost $5,000. Pretty huge difference. Gillette never met an old amusement ride that he couldn't find a home for, so he brought rides in from at least seven or eight other theme parks, and his scavenger philosophy extended not only to rides, but to what Magic Forest is perhaps best known for, and that's the fiberglass figures. So what's the story with these fiberglass figures? In 1960, Bob Pruitt stumbled on a treasure trove. Bob Pruitt was a cowboy, an entrepreneur, and he wanted to make fiberglass horse trailers. This is a story about an amusement park. I'll get back to it. Pruitt wanted to create a lighter horse trailer because the trailers at the time were very heavy. So he decided that he was going to make his trailers out of fiberglass. And then he decided he needed a fiberglass horse as a display to help sell the trailers. Well, it turned out that people wanted to buy the horse more than they wanted to buy the trailers. And Bob quickly cottoned on to what the customers wanted, and he began making a wide range of realistic fiberglass animals like cows and horses. And these animals were particularly popular with places like restaurants, meat markets, dairies, and rodeos. Pruitt's animals continued to sell well, and he began expanding the types of figures that he was producing. In 1963, Pruitt sold his molds to another company called International Fiberglass. And International Fiberglass had some incredible success over the next decade, likely because of their ability to create almost anything that a customer desired. International Fiberglass employed talented sculptors and painters who could alter any sculpture from the base model to the customer's unique specifications. And people call their most famous productions muffler men. We'll probably do a full episode on that later. For now, simply know that the muffler men were 20 foot tall sculptures of human figures, usually holding objects, and originally they were used for roadside advertising. As the 60s turned into the 70s, consumer interests changed. These large fiberglass figures were now seen as tacky 
international fiberglass ended up folding in the early 1970s. And when they did, they destroyed most of the original molds. The original fiberglass figures left over from these molds fell by the wayside, sometimes literally, shoved in garages, barns, the woods, the back 40. So the story goes that on a trip to a junkyard in Knoxville, Tennessee, for car parts for their Corvette restoration hobby, the Gillettes found some intriguing fiberglass figures, which they hauled back to the Magic Forest, and thus began a new collection. It was just fun going across the country buying stuff, said Jack Gillette. I've counted over 600. Gillette was able to repair these figures just like he repaired rides, so he brought them all home wherever he could find them. In 1981, the Great Danbury Fair closed. What is the Danbury Fair? This was a long-running agricultural fair in Danbury, Connecticut, dating back to at least 1821. By 1869, the fair had a reliable schedule, large fairgrounds, and was open for at least 10 days every October. The fair satisfied guests every year until around 1974, when the owner, John Leahy, died. The organization fell into disarray, and it wasn't long before the entire fair closed. Leahy hadn't made provisions for the fair in his will, and so the only way to pay the estate taxes for the venue was to sell the property. Three years later, the Danbury Fair Mall was built on the site of the original Danbury Fair. On a snowy and rainy week in April of 1982, hundreds of buyers came to an auction for the various rides and attractions from the Danbury Fair. Of course, our boy Jack Gillette was there. He'd actually spent several days in Danbury prior to the auction, negotiating for a large number of the fair's original Pruitt and International Fiberglass figures. It shouldn't be surprising, but he scored big time. Quote, It took more than 20 truckloads to bring everything up that we purchased for the fair, said Gillette. We actually had to clear-cut five acres of land to make room for all the exhibits, end quote. The most famous of these collections from the Danbury Fair stood in the Magic Forest parking lot, not far from Santa Claus and the pink building that is always served as the park's entrance. And this was the 38-foot-tall Uncle Sam, supposedly the largest in the world. Uncle Sam became a symbol for the Magic Forest Park, drawing in guests from the road, just like the muffler men of old. Throughout the 80s and 90s, the Gillettes continued to expand the Magic Forest Amusement Park, much to the acclaim of the visitors. Reviews were generally positive. Quote, Everything is very old and super cheesy, but that is what is so cool about it. It has character and old-fashioned charm. End quote. Brad H. on Yelp. Now, some of the items that Magic Forest obtained from other parks were not just rides. They were things like walkthroughs and exhibits. One of these was a Cinderella walkthrough. Again, it came from a defunct amusement park. The Fantasyland Park used to be located in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and it was a popular local theme park, but it had to close. Where it used to stand, the Gettysburg Museum and Visitor Center now stands today. It was right next to this historic site, and they didn't really want a theme park right next to such a historical site. 
So they purchased it. And Gillette, he purchased a walkthrough attraction from there, which told the story of Cinderella. In a log cabin near the chapel, there does sit today a collection of animated bears and squirrels, frolicking around on houses and tree stumps. And if these look like window displays, that's because they are, or at least they were. They came from Pittsfield's England Brothers store, which was like the region's Macy's store at the time, at least in terms of holiday window displays. It used to have these delightful animals cavorting in its windows, and when they were taken down, they were rescued by Gillette and put on display at the Magic Forest. Now, if you've heard anything about Magic Forest, you might have heard about a connection to Disney. So inside a castle-shaped building at the Magic Forest sits this vintage piece of Disney's early years. Yep, tucked away in this creaking retro 60s-era park in upstate New York is a piece of Walt Disney history. Several displays are inside that castle building, and each depict an animatronic Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. The room also features a giant fiberglass tree, which of course was purchased from the Danbury Fair auction for a mere $10. The sign nearby reads, quote, Snow White. This exhibit was made by Disney for the 1939 World's Fair. The animation is one of a kind. Replacement parts and figures are unattainable and must be custom made, end quote. Despite the sign, these figures were not made by Disney, and they're not from the 1939 World's Fair. Remarkably, they're even older. So, in 1935, Disney had licensed its characters to the Old King Cole Paper Mache Company in Canton, Ohio, for the purposes of interior advertising displays like those in Windows. In 1937, this company made a series of displays featuring Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for the Mandel Brothers department store in Chicago. These vintage window displays are what now sit at the Magic Forest, some 80 years later, and these are really the only such surviving examples. How did they get to the Magic Forest? I mean, our boy Arthur Gillette, he collected them, of course. Somehow the displays came into the hands of the Coleman Brothers Carnival in the early 1960s. And when they shuttered their carnival business in the mid-1960s, Arthur purchased the Snow White displays for his park. In the early years of the park's operation, the displays were moved to and from a storage barn at the beginning and end of each season. Remember, this park is in New York, so there's a definite seasonality to it. This constant movement deteriorated these sensitive, delicate displays, and it actually completely destroyed one of the original ten scenes. The remaining nine, however, remain in excellent shape. And artisans at the Magic Forest Park have refurbished most of the characters and backgrounds. They've added new clothing, they've added new paint. The figures themselves, they're all still the original papier-mâché from 1937. And each of the dwarves is about the size of a six-month-old child. They're a pretty big-scale display, and they're pretty impressive. The animatronic figures move from the action of custom wooden cams and bolts, high-tech from the 1930s. Like the sign said, you can't buy this stuff at Best Buy, so Magic Forest staff have had to rebuild some of these original parts from scratch when they fall into disrepair. Overall, though, these animatronics still run primarily on their original mechanics. 
this section of the park is well-maintained and quite unique. In 1995, Gillette expanded the park's boundaries even further and even had to relocate rides. He purchased one more new ride, the Blue Goose, from a carnival auction in 1998. He set up his safari train so that it went past many of the fiberglass figures, which were arrayed in the forest amongst the pines. And on, quote, fairy tale trail, end quote, visitors walked past a number of different fairy tale dioramas, each illustrated with a large, fairly horrifying fiberglass figure. So like I said, Arthur Gillette was a collector, and the park had over a thousand of these fiberglass figures at its prime. So it's really hard to do the topic justice. Suffice to say that there were many, many figures at the Magic Forest, some in disrepair, and most a little bit off-putting. A visitor, Kelia76 on Reddit, said, quote, The figures are absolutely scary. I'm not being hyperbolic. They actually chilled me. Spiderwebs in the eyes, missing face chunks, missing hands or fingers, and honestly, even if they were intact, their actual design looks as though it may have been conjured in the mind of a demon. End quote. Many of the figures have glassy eyes and feature push buttons, where visitors could hear some of the darker children's fairy tales that they were supposedly illustrating. That was, of course, if the buttons were working. Now, it wouldn't be a theme park without the train ride, which may be our new rule here at the abandoned carousel. This time, it's an arrow old number nine train. And Magic Forest's train was one of only seven such trains in existence. Another of these trains is located just down the road at Storytown, USA, which we'll cover at a later date. At the Magic Forest, the train chugged down a bridge over a ravine, past many fiberglass figures in the forest, and finished with a ride through a rickety mine tunnel. For many visitors, the somewhat shaky structural quality of the bridge and the mine tunnel marked some of the largest thrills at the park. Now, in addition to the rides and the ever-present fiberglass figures, there have always been performances at the Magic Forest as well. Santa Claus was of course popular in the early years due to the Christmas theme of the park originally. In 1972, Gillette installed a dolphin show at the park, which was obviously a short-lived attraction in upstate New York and this only ran until 1975. Other live acts followed, including dog acts, circus acts, aerial shows, and magic shows, and eventually park management filled in the ravine at the park next to the stage in order to allow for more seats in front of the performance area. And one of the other things that you might know the Magic Forest for if you just casually heard about it, aside from the plethora of slightly bug-eyed off-kilter fiberglass figures, is the diving horse. The last diving horse in the country, they say. What is a diving horse? You might ask, as I did when I started researching this place. Well, settle in. Back in 1881, a man named Doc Carver was crossing a bridge on his horse. The bridge apparently partially collapsed, and the horse fell into the water. And this was apparently the seed of inspiration. And so Doc Carver came up with the diving horse concept and set it up at Steel Pier in Atlantic City. His acts had a circus-like quality. Diving girls would leap atop a galloping horse as it reached the top of a 40 to 60 foot tower, and then they would sail down into the water on the horse's back. 
And so this is obviously polarizing. Animal rights activists have protested these diving shows as early as the 1920s and 1930s. Arnett Webster French, one of the original horse divers from the Steel Pier attraction, said, quote, Wherever we went, the SPCA was always snooping around, trying to find out if we were doing anything that was cruel to animals. They never found anything because those horses lived the life of Riley. In all the years of the act, there was never a horse that was injured. End quote. The Steel Pier Act was nonetheless permanently shuttered sometime in the 1970s. A brief revival was attempted in 2012, but it didn't get very far after strenuous animal rights protests. The president of the Humane Society of the United States said, quote, This is a merciful end to a colossally stupid idea. End quote. All the same, though, a horse diving exhibit opened at Magic Forest in 1977. It first starred Rex the diving horse for over 18 years, and then thunder, and then lightning. These diving horses would walk up a ramp nine feet off the ground and jump into a pool of water. Their trainers rewarded them with a large bucket of oats. The diving horse jumped twice a day for two months out of the year and only during dry weather. Animal rights activists, though, regularly protested the show. But veterinarians did also regularly inspect the horses and the show to ensure the humane treatment of the animals. Reportedly, they did it of their own free will, motivated solely by that bucket of oats. But no matter how you feel about the act, the last of an era for the diving horses has come. Lightning the Diving Horse performed at Magic Forest for 24 years. In the summer of 2018, Lightning, now an old horse with a white face, refused to jump. And that was that. He still resides at the Magic Forest for visitors to pet and feed, but the diving show is no more. As visitors post about the Magic Forest online, people either love the place or they hate it. The park caters to the smallest of visitors, for whom standard theme parks are overwhelming. The outdated visuals and somewhat rundown aesthetics can be a small price to pay for a park where your three-year-old can ride almost every single ride at the park. But others have certainly recounted less than positive stories about the park. The park is outdated, and it's problematic in some areas. People find the sculpted figures frightening. They're put off by the ride operators operating multiple rides sim simultaneously, etc., and visitors in recent years have described broken figures covered in spiderwebs, rides that are closed without warning, tales of broken audio recordings on the fairy tale trail, stories about the train engine being so poorly maintained that it spewed clouds of toxic fumes back at the first rows of riders. Visitors have complained about the short opening times of the gift shop. And of course, there were complaints about the diving horse. Despite guest complaints and anonymous online reports from workers from inside the park, there have been no major incidents at the park, which is certainly an exceptional track record given how long Magic Forest has been in operation. But the park isn't unblemished either. Management did hire a known registered sex offender without doing a background check, and that didn't go over particularly well. And the owner, Jack Gillette, himself has made some waves, particularly in the late 90s and 2000s. He was described as more interested in restoring his Corvettes than in repairing the park rides. 
Several times he ran afoul of the local government over property disputes, saying that they inappropriately removed boulders from his property and that they wrongfully used his property for a public snowmobile and biking path. In 2013, he actually sued Warren County over these alleged misuses of his personal property. And these lawsuits went on for five years until they were settled in 2018 all of a sudden, with Gillette reportedly receiving $150,000, which was reportedly less than the costs of the legal fees for the lawsuit. Also in 2018, towards the end of the year, local papers started reporting that Magic Forest was being sold. The deal had reportedly been in negotiations for several years, but it couldn't proceed due to the pending lawsuits. So once the lawsuits were taken care of, the sale was free to go on. And Arthur Gillette officially sold the Magic Forest at the end of 2018 for $2.5 million. The new owner, Reuben Ellsworth, the son of a family friend, owner of a local excavating business. Gillette was ready to retire, and Ellsworth had a set of plans for the park that were pleasing to the local county government. What are these plans? Well, Ellsworth is turning the park into, quote, Lake George Expedition Park, end quote. Part of the park will be a scaled-down magic forest. A much larger part of the property will become Dino Roar Valley. This dinosaur-themed park will have a large walking trail featuring 20 life-sized animatronic dinosaurs, as well as dinosaur-themed shows and additional paid activities like digging for fossils. But Ellsworth, when he was changing his vision for the park, he didn't want the majority of those fiberglass figures that Magic Forest has been so well-known for over the years. So up for sale, they all went. American Giants, known for its restoration work with muffler men, was put in charge of the sale, which you can find on its website today. Most of the figures have sold. Reportedly, many of the figures were purchased by Storybook Land in Egg Harbor, New Jersey. And some of the larger muffler men figures are headed to Dallas, Texas, where they'll now advertise for a plumbing company. The largest of them all, 38-foot-tall Uncle Sam, will be returning to Danbury, Connecticut, where he was originally a resident at the Danbury Fair. Quote, Danbury, that fair in 1981 and 82, the things I bought took my amusement park to another level and allowed me to go even beyond that in two or three years. It really made my park. I thought it was only fitting for it to go back. End quote. The city of Danbury purchased Uncle Sam for $50,000. Officials also estimate that the transportation, lighting, and refurbishment for the statue will cost another fifty dollars to $100,000. And moving the statue was reportedly difficult. Movers had to remove one of Uncle Sam's hands in order for the statue to fit under an overpass on the three-hour drive between Lake George and Danbury. Refurbishment of Uncle Sam has been ongoing over the winter of 2018. The paint covering the entire statue was stripped completely off. And interestingly, restorers found that Uncle Sam originally had a different face. His face was paper macheed over with newspapers sometime in 1975 in order to give it a different shape. And, quote, his old face has some crazy eyes, end quote. Uncle Sam is done being restored, and he's already headed back to the Danbury Railway Museum, where his new home will be, 
and they plan to unveil him officially at a 4th of July celebration in 2019. The only living girl in New York is a blog, and she says, quote, I love, love, loved the Magic Forest, a theme park that has remained untouched by time, become abandoned while it's still in business, and is completely unaware of how cool and marketable it actually is. And I hope it continues to forget that it should have closed years ago and remains in Lake George forever. End quote. The Magic Forest isn't abandoned. In its later years, it has certainly seemed as such, with the lack of lines, lack of crowds, and lack of maintenance. But the Magic Forest is certainly coming to the end of an era. The sale of its iconic vintage fiberglass figures and massive changes to the park earn the Magic Forest a place on this podcast. The modern era is coming to this retro park, and it's no longer going to be trapped in the 60s. Lake George Expedition Park opens for the season this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 2019. How much of the Magic Forest will remain? The retro kitschy feeling is much of what made Magic Forest special. And only time will tell as to whether the Magic Forest portion of the Lake George Expedition Park sticks around. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Abandoned Carousel. This week, I talked about the Magic Forest in Lake George, New York, a park on the verge of change. You can find complete show notes, photos, and references at my website, theabandonedcarousel.com. Remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher. You might leave a review while you're there, and don't forget to tell a friend. I'd love to hear your stories about the Magic Forest. Email me, hello at theabandonedcarousel.com. Or you can get in touch with me across social media. I'm at Carousel Abandon, A-B-A-N-D-O-N, on Twitter. And at The Abandoned Carousel everywhere else. I'm coming back next week with a big episode, so I hope to see you then. As Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it. Remember it.